0: Hello, folks, welcome to the Juck and Jerno show. It is series three, episode four. We are recording live once again from the George Restaurant on Collins Street. As I say hello to the five-time best and fairest winner, five-time All Australian Norm Smith medalist, Catherine Conley for the sixth season. Evening, Scotty. Jay-Z, hi, mate. I'm um, uh, well, mate. Uh, Braden Cox, you're back from Queensland. You've recorded the Athletics Championships. How are you, buddy?
1: Yeah, very good. Thanks from Sydney. That's. <laughs>
0: Close. Brisbane, uh, They're Right around the corner. That s- was, a uh, very close, Scotty. We were caught up in a bit of a podcast crossfire. And a bit oh of a. crazy bit of <laughs> a bit of a stir. Uh, we're gonna get to that in a second, but I just wanna say, Scotty, I tell you what, we are here at the George restaurant. Our, list- our listeners, our loyal podcast fans, they gotta get down here. You've not only got some of the best drinks and cocktails in Melbourne, you've had water. Coco and I have had a couple of beers. There's a Vietnamese menu you and I both love we're going to get stuck straight into that very soon. From millionaire eggplant to mum's pork belly, the prawns, you'll be spoiled for choice with Kanong's new lunch and dinner menu. It's all fresh, it's fragrant, it's packed with authentic Vietnamese flavours, Scotty. It is perfect for an after-work bite, catch-up-with-mates, Family dinner without the cooking or the washing up, any of that annoying stuff. And the bar here out there, it is pumping. It's absolutely magnificent. Not having a bad time at the George. Get down here. We should do a live show from here. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. We'll get the people here. Give the fans what they want, mate.
0: Give <laughs> the fans what they want. We'll have a live show. We'll have a few beers. Get down, have a chat, get involved. The George Fabulous Drinks and Dining 162 Collins Street. It is absolutely fantastic. Now, Scotty, we've been caught up in a bit of a, a brouhaha with Damien Barrett, legendary journalist, a man I uh, respect enormously. But he had a bit of a crack at us or you or uh, something. I think it was, me. It was maybe me more of uh, you. He reckons you should stick your head out of the media business. Just stick to football, Scott. Um, stick to the green stuff.
1: Yeah, and I. I haven't really heard the full context of what happened, so it's hard for me to comment. But um, I think it was around the negativity that I spoke about with Max Gorn and Paddy Ryder. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Well, I think. So you're even, saying we're too negative. I was I was saying in that instance when Max Gorn got hit for probably a week about that. Yep. And that he was in hospital pre-game. He's poor game. Whichever. So take all that. I, I would have liked if Paddy Ryder had got some acknowledgement. For his effort, three weeks after breaking his jaw. Playing with a busted the jaw. the contest he created. We probably nothing, didn't talk about him that much. Nothing got mentioned about that. And that was no. my thing. I was like, we, um, as media, and I do media, and so it's not actually that ironic because I'm a player. Um, <laughs> we? That I, I reckon that we could look at those instances and also pump up the player who's done something really well instead of just whacking the guy that didn't do something well. I, yep. I, don't get me wrong. I'm, as Gary Lyon said, that I every time I cross the line, I deserve to be judged. And you can judge me however hard you want because no one's going to judge me as hard as what I judge myself. And I completely get that. I think that if you be positive, though, as well, players actually really appreciate that. Um, Does it annoy you when we harp would, on the I negative? I annoyed me about <laughs> He called me champ. Champ! He gave me the champ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the nah, full-time champ. I,
1: like, I, I like, actually like hearing from Gary Lyon. I reckon he sees the game really well yep. type of stuff. I'm just saying that I reckon... In that instance there, for Paddy Ryder to barely get a mention, I reckon was was pretty stiff because he created a ripping contest that got Port Adelaide going. And maybe it's because everyone thought Melbourne was going to win the game and they were looking to lump on Melbourne. But, um, yeah, that was the case. So, And, yeah, I think Purple's thing was um, me stick to footy, leave um, the media to them. So, But then I, I find that ironic that if you want to be able to judge me and I can't judge media, that's ironic to me. But in saying that, I do rate purple he's yep. been in my backyard to break a story before has he so what happened there all, all, all years ago when oh boy um it was like 2010 or something i would re-signed with Collingwood. he got wind of it before the club and he was going to go with it unless he could come to my backyard and break the story and he was he was in my backyard we did a cross and he broke the story so um yeah he's very good at what he does and i'd love to get him on the podcast should he come be, on be, he'd be great i reckon he'd like he I'll he listen is. to him and he's, yeah, he'd be fantastic, I reckon, but I don't know, he, he probably <laughs> probably doesn't even know who we are.
2: Well, no, he, no,
0: he does because he no, spoke about that. it. so I'd love to get him on. If he's out there purple, we'd love to have you. Oh, I like it. He is one of the best journos going around, there's no doubt about that, but Scotty, we have got a special treat in store. We had Jordi to go on a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get some big name guests uh, on this year. And uh, well, today we have got the Lion King. Luke Hodge, is he one of the, the, the players you admire most yeah, in absolutely. the AFL? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think just from a total point of view of um, the player that he is, the selflessness he plays with, the leadership abilities that he has, the success that he has, no doubt that every player in the competition would be envious of, of Hodge and, and what he's been able to do. And um, great get for the Lions getting him up
0: there. And um, yeah, as, as guests go, there's no bigger. By 327 games, four-time premiership player, three-time All-Australian, two Norm Smiths. Can you believe that? Probably one of the best big game players in football history. Two-time best and fairest winner and one of the toughest hombres in footy. This man eats pressure for breakfast. He's done it across 18 seasons. As we say, a very big hello and welcome to you, Luke Hodge. G'day, guys. How are you going? We are well. Um, mate, can you take us back to the time um, where you made the decision to join Brisbane? Now, as I understand it, <laughs> Chris Fagan was watching you on Channel 7. You were on the sounds of the game. You were mic'd up for uh, for the broadcaster, obviously, and shining with your instruction and your leadership. Chris Fagan says to Greg Swan, we need this at our football club, and he sends you a text. How did it develop? How did it evolve from there, mate?
2: Um, it was it was a bit weird. it more started as a joke. Uh, it was around my three hundredth game where he said, uh, when I said I was gonna finish up at Hawthorne and he sort of said, Oh, the old body's not uh, moving too bad. Um, the, the Brisbane Heat will um, make it feel a lot better. <laughs> and that was just more of a that was just more of a joke and, and moved on from there and um, as I sort of finished up with Hawthorne he sort of just threw the question a little bit more serious at me if I would consider it and for a long time there I was not I uh I was give benefit of my uh, against Fordham. Um and then all of a sudden I've had, I spoke to a lot of people, I spoke to um, a few people i sort of talked to outside of footy and listened to a few things that Shane Crawford said when he put, uh, when he hung up the boots and I thought, oh, I've still got a little bit left and it's a good experience for the family uh, to bring them up here and give them something different while they're still young. What was the carrot?
0: I mean, you'd already won four flags, Hodgie. You'd, you'd, you'd done it all. How, how did you know that the, the competitive beast was still flickering inside you?
2: Um, I, I think it was uh, Shane Crawford wrote an article that um, he said when he retired um, that he ran past Clarko's house three or four times for the next few years because he just still had a little bit left in him uh, and I finished off 2017 season with Hawthorne and I felt okay, the body felt good, I started training for the New York Marathon um, and it's just that it's that thing, is once, once you hang up the boots you know there's no more mm. and I still had the passion for the game I still love the game, it was something that I and Fakes knows that I like the development side of the, the football and, and um, do, helping out the younger guys at, at the Lions was something that he knew that I'd, I'd love to do. So that's why he sort of threw it. With uh, that, I've, yeah, really loved it.
1: With that, Hodgie, you've gone from a real experienced side at Hawthorne. Um, you know, watching you guys for, for my career, you just look like it's almost clockwork. Everyone knows what each other's going to do. How have you found going to Brisbane year one, trying to get that chemistry with, with a completely new and a lot younger side?
2: Yeah, Scott. I guess we got a little bit of that in 17 with Hawthorne. Um, Mitch went off to West Coast. Louis went to Melbourne, uh, and we played a lot of young guys. We had Cicely coming in there. We had Brian Burton in there. We had Hardwick, uh, and that's just in the that's and um, Brand, Kate Brand, in the, and that's just in the, the defence. So we sort of got a little bit of um, i got a little bit of that understanding um, in 2017, but I guess the the thing when I moved up here is it was you had to know the blokes, and that was a nervous thing. I was like an eighteen-year-old kid going into a footy club. <laughs> all the, all these blokes knew each other, and I'm coming in, and a lot of the blokes I had no idea because I only sort of watched them off the games or a couple of them hadn't even debuted yet. So that was the most nerve-wracking thing. But once you sort of get into a footy club, a lot of a lot of footy clubs are the same. Um, Fakes took the piss out of me early on with um, with a few gags. Um, my first introduction to the footy club, and once that sort of happens, yeah, you, you feel comfortable and you and you fit right in.
1: Did you make a good impression by just going up there and dominating the time trials? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I haven't. Uh, yeah, one of those ones where if you're over over 40, you don't to do a time trial. So, No, <laughs> um, so I'll get up there. And that's where one, – one thing they sort of said when I went up there, they said they're not going to maybe do 100% of the training. Like they know that my body's well, – I'm, I'm 34, 10, or 35. Um, they said that do enough that, you know, you can get through games. They end up getting through about 85% of preseason. So – um, I made sure I did all the skills, because my, my main thing there was helping them with fear. Um, and if I, the more time I spent out there during training and during games, that's how I was going to be able to develop the younger guys out there and, and just sort of give a bit of voice and direction to, to the other players uh, around me. So, um, And I've been lucky that I've had um, overall injuries the 18 months that I've been here. Um, and I think it's sort of shown this year that we, we did a lot of match play um, throughout this preseason, where last pre-season was more fitness and drills and and. Con- Contested football, where this preseason's been a lot about match play structures, setups. So, like when we're in tight situations, as we've been the last couple of weekends, um, that the blokes know what to do and they don't panic. They just stick to what we've trained for the last four months, uh, and and it sort of worked for us the, the first couple of games.
0: Aiming for your fourth straight win, it's an exciting time for the Brisbane Lions. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Hodgie can you tell us about two thousand and eight? I'll never forget it. The preliminary final against St Kilda, that marking contest with Justin Kuzjitsky. Uh, it must have felt like you hit a Mack truck because it was a very heavy collision. The cameras zoom in on you and you're spitting blood. Yet seven days later or thereabouts, you're playing in the grand final and Matthew Stokes, the little Geelong Terrier, is whacking into your left ribs and you just raise your arm as if to say, mate, hit me harder, it's fine. And you go and play one of the games of your life. Can you just take us to that that starting bounce moment because were you, were you feeling sore when he was whacking into you or was it just the adrenaline of the moment sort of absorbed it?
2: Uh, I guess um, I, I knew that they were going to come out and, and do something. I knew uh, it was either going to be Max Rook or, or probably stoatsy. Um And I remember I got told before the game, I can remember said, they said, look, if, if you show pain or if you try and hide it, they're going to see that they're going to go for it. So I had, a guard, I had a guard on my ribs. So they sort of said, put your arm up um, and if they hit it and, you don't, you don't, doesn't faze you, then they'll forget about it, and um, and that's that's what happened. They had a couple goes the first couple of minutes. Cammoey ran through me A couple of minutes later, get up, smile at him, and then it's just sort of they forget it and think there's nothing wrong with it. So. Um, yeah, that was, a, if, that, that was the sort of tactic I got told to do and luckily enough that they didn't hit the right spot and, and I um, I felt okay.
0: I know Cameron Mooney said that um, he asked a photographer at the ground before the game started, he said to him, um, can you make sure you get a shot of me with my kids after we win, mate? Did you get the sense that the Cats were a bit complacent in this one? I mean, it's, it's great honesty from Moons and we're not dobbing him in because he spoke about it, but did you sense that they were... Maybe getting ahead of themselves in that game?
2: No, no, not at all. Geelong were easy. throughout the year. Geelong were the best team, and I don't think anyone's got any doubt about that. But I think leading into the finals, we'd had the best. Like our closest game leading into the granny was forty-four points in the last five games we played. So we believed our form was good. We had a young, we had a young group that would do what anything Clark I would say. Uh, and he came up with the the shark plan where um, Geelong would like to get the ball in the centre half back and just run in a flurry of numbers, handball, link up, uh, and then get it to their forwards. Um, so his he, his plan was Geelong's like a shark. If you slow it down, if you push it backwards, uh, as a shark would do, will drown. Uh, their game style will fall away. And we started to know in the second quarter when I think it was Ottens in the pocket had a shot where he had a couple of spare Geelong players in the middle of the ground uh cam mooney missed that goal right on half time, and we went in with that much confidence thinking that not that they were cocky but they had to play they'll play in a different style for a team that used to be talking about go- um goal assists mm. uh who had the most goal assist all of a sudden they haven't shot from the boundary line and they were trying to do it himself which we we believed it was the pressure we put on them that it got them in this situation that uh, they were on foreign uh, it was it was foreign for them and um and yeah, that's where they started doing uncharacteristic things. Um, and when we believe, when we sort of, when we started to see that, that yeah, we, we we had them.
1: Now, Hodgie, um, you mentioned Clarko there. I've heard some cracking stories about captain coach relationships. Is there any that you can share with us and, the, and our listeners about your time being captain under him?
2: Uh, I think, mate, you know, being uh, captain, that it, um, it's not always not always roses. You don't know, always see <laughs> <the> one eye. So <to laughs> um, your phone calls. But I, uh, one thing you've got to have, if if um, with the captain and the coach, you gotta make sure that, the, uh, that you're both on the same page as far as it's team first. And I remember, uh, I remember at the end of 2011, you guys beat us in the prelim, and Clarko started to do a few things, and, and it upset a few of the boys. So the leadership group had a meeting where we've called Clarko in, and it wasn't a structured meeting. It was just the last thing we need to have a chat to him, just uh, give him some feedback on what the boys um, had thought. And yeah, I didn't quite enjoy that. He, he walked in <laughs> and he slammed the desk. Goes right. This better be good. And I asked him to. I asked him to leave the room, um, just just until we got organised. Uh, we were all organised. We just didn't want him to dictate the meeting. And uh, I swear to God, he would have punched me in the face if he could. <laughs> that, um, is,
0: that is absolute gold.
2: Well, we've had that many um, run-ins with that kind of stuff. But when, when you've got a good relationship with your coach, um, you always the next day. You're always the same because whether you're an argument, it's it's because you're the benefit of the it's benefit of the group and. Um, I've, I've had a lot more highs with Clarko than I've had run-ins, uh, even though he's running. ins are scary. scary.
0: Mm. you tell us about the pre-finals camp. There's the, something that's almost legend amongst, you know, uh, about your time at Hawthorne. You'd go away to a rural setting before the finals and, I don't know, sit around a bonfire, listen to Clarko play his guitar and have a, a beer or, or whatever. Can you tell us about what, what those experiences were like and what the purpose of that was?
2: Yeah, I guess it was Clarko's way and the coach's way of, Getting us away from Melbourne, uh, we went up to Monkey's Farm a couple of times. We went to a few other farms. I went out to Red Hill, I think, as well. And it was pretty much just a, a way of saying, "Boys, right, the seasons, um, the home and away seasons finished. This is when the this is when the real time starts." And then it was almost getting out there and just make a commitment to one another that for the next month we're going to do everything we possibly can, whether it's playing a selfless role, whether it's doing things for the team, where whatever whatever we've done in the past, we're going to reset, refocus, and all we, because we've got four weeks of football to really put our mind to and and if we do the right things, yes, you need a bit of luck to fall your way. But if you do the right things and commit to one another that, um, yeah, that hopefully things will fall your way, and, uh, and it did for a, a few times.
0: Now, what happened between you and Pendles a couple of years ago? Because I'm not sure if Taylor Adams caused the problem, but
2: he was the main cause
0: of the problem. S- Scotty had to step in on Tay's behalf, and you nearly whacked him, I think, with a right hook. It came very close. Were you guys okay, or what happened?
2: I, I remember straight after the game. Because um, it happened it happened really quickly, and I didn't think anything else of it. And then after the game, I remember um, you just had your son, and we'll we'll chat about we'll chat about your kid after the game. And the camera must have got it because a few people um, I spoke to after the game said, "Oh, were well, you two were having to go straight after the game?" And I had no idea what they were talking about because the amount of times in games where you have arguments, you have a push and a shove, and you just move on. Um, but I clearly remember that we were talking about it, um, that you're a little fella and people thought that we'll continuing on with,
1: with yeah, whatever yeah.
2: happened early in the game yeah that's
1: right I think my young bloke was about five days old so Hodgie was giving me some um, good parenting <laughs> advice and yeah people thought that we were talking about having a box on later on that night or
0: something <laughs> well Hodgie we thank you so much for your time mate uh, you've been very generous absolutely all the best for the rest of the season we can't wait to watch uh, to see what the young Lions do in 2019 thanks so much for joining us
2: Cheers the Have a good
0: one. Well, I think we all love Hodgie. That's we've established that, Scotty. That's probably enough uh Hodge love for uh this episode. Do you think that the Lions can make finals? Have you got them in your top eight at the moment? A three and zero. could go four and zero. They're in my top eight at the moment, mate, Are they? they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> Real
1: um, uh No, they're I've watched them play. They play like a pretty exciting brand of footy. Um uh, they've got some really good players as well. Lockie Neal's on fire. Isn't he? Um Yeah. There's a lot like three and zip. It's a great position to launch a season from. And um, as Hodgie said, pre-season they had a focus on just training a lot more football. Um, footy's out. Footies out. So you know, that's come to the forefront in some scenarios. They've probably been faced
0: about playing their way late in games. and. Yeah, three and zips. Pretty good launch pad. Local footballers listening to this know that, uh, when you're just doing running up until Christmas, uh, that really sucks. So, a lot more engaged when you've got the footballs out and kicking the pills. Scotty, hey, I tell you, uh, Brisbane going well, three and zero. Melbourne struggling at zero and three. I still think they'll make finals the Ds, but. Been interesting following their story this week, and in particular, the big issue to come out of the week is the midfield accountability, or more specifically, the lack thereof. Because although we've lauded this young midfield group, Angus Brayshaw, Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney, under the feet of Max gone and we've been banging on about them all summer, every second tipster in the Herald Sun pre-season magazine, I think picked them for the flag, but they've started extremely slowly. And it emerged this week in the Herald Sun, Scotty, that they circled up as a team, on Sunday morning, they have their review, and they sur- they all look at each other. Scotty, they circle up, and some home truths are delivered. They are very—it's apparently very blunt feedback. You've been in that situation before. No, that I've been does- in a few circles, mate. Yep. So. And what, what's your well, general I've been take? In
1: like, <laughs> it doesn't worst, sound like a lot worst, of fun. No, they're not. Whenever <laughs> you hear circle up, it's like he's just uh, walshy around the corner about to come out, or. Um, well, I remember we did one years ago. Oh, ours was similar to what Hodgie was saying about finals. We did one 2011. Yeah. And we we're in Williamstown Beach and we circled up and uh, had had uh, just a chat about. Hold hands? Week, uh, no week off, but yeah, no, not arms around. But yeah, we had just a chat about finals, what we wanted to get out of like the next four weeks and what, you know, we're prepared to do and what lengths you want to go to. But there's always a bit of an eerie feeling when you circle up <laughs> and there's blokes who sort of with the head down a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, that, that Melbourne, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, um, you know, for like when you hear of Melbourne midfield accountability, what are you, are you thinking that it's just, you know, these guys not even worrying about their opponents or, you know, I've, I've watched a little bit of Melbourne, not much, um, so I can't
0: really comment too much other well, no, than just in general terms of yeah. how I see it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. It's hard, and this is where it is really hard sitting in the media box trying to judge midfielders because you look at the stat sheet at the end of the day and you see Clayton Oliver's just had 40 possessions. Wow, he was the best person on the ground. But what you're not, what is so much harder to assess is the leg rope he's given to his opponents, the chances he's taken in a game. Um all that sort of things because if you as a midfielder you can't be anchored to the center square. You've got to be very accountable on the defensive transition. Looking at the stats, they're getting absolutely belted on the on the outside Scott. So how yeah. do you, as a midfielder and as a superstar on baller, if your opponent hightails and bolts down the other end of the ground or towards the other end of the ground when the ball's disputed, how do you know what to do?
1: Yeah, well I think it comes back to your team's defense principles and um, you what know, does what does that mean? What, or just like what you, um, you know, so some teams out there play one on one, some teams zone, um, guard areas. So it depends what they're trying to do. Melbourne are a little bit more one on one from what I've seen so far. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just that, that balance of inside and outside. And that's where, you know, your, your, mix of midfielders is really important. You can't have, um, you know, three bulls inside because they're just going to always hunt the footy and they're just going to, um, you know, be so desperate at that clearance. But when, the ball spreads, you know, a guy like Tim Kelly, um, round one against us, and I've seen him last two weeks, his ability to, once the stoppage actually leaves, you know, the kick goes forward or back to be that next guy to outnumber. Because, yep. um, you know, stoppages are so important, but the next ground ball is also very important. So, yep. um, you know, for, for example, if Geelong win it, they go forward, um, you know, Jack Viney and Tim Kelly are on each other at stoppage and Kelly bolts forward, you know, that immediate transition there, Jack's got to head down, uh, and try and get him and um, catch him. And if, you know, say Jack got caught up in a tackle, you hope another another midfielder sees that and can spit out and catch him or a winger might catch him for you. So, um, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, there's so many hits in, the, in that inside stoppage that, you know, you might end up on your direct opponent. But if you know, like, you know, their three versus our three type thing and let's try and catch their three on the outside and, and showcase them. I mean, you know, show them up, going back the other way. So... Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. You've got to be completely alert. You know, as a midfielder these these days and probably for the last six or seven years at least, it's so much more than just the stoppage. It's whichever way the ball spreads, you've got to get back, got to get on the outside, get on your bike, work as hard forward. I mean, work as hard back as yeah. your guy's working forward and then you've got to try and work work him over when we get the footy going forward and he's trying to cover you going back. And, um, you know, and then as, as I said before, you know, once you slow a side up, some sides stay one-on-one so you can – try and pull them apart, some side zone. So you try and send out number to certain parts of the zone. Yeah, different things like that. So, yeah, no, no doubt if they're talking um, their inside mids accountability, I'd be thinking it's probably their spread from stoppage once they win it or lose it. Because um, the, the other side of it is they might be winning stoppage going forward, but their mids aren't getting hard forward enough to close down the opposition mids that are getting back to help their defence. So, yep. say, for an example there is, um, say, Conwood's playing Melbourne. Melbourne actually win the clearance, go forward. But me, Adam Chalor, Beams here, the first three mids back, we get the grand ball and away we go. And their midfielders aren't putting pressure on us. Then it's nine v six for Melbourne forwards. It's pretty hard for their forwards to pressure us if their mids aren't, yep. you know, putting us under the pump. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into the transition game, and you know we see edits every week, and that's why I sometimes I, I do find it funny, um, you know, when players get highlighted for lack of defensive work rate because there's clips of every single player out there of not working hard back. Enough, and there's probably clips of every play out there cheating a little bit forward when they probably shouldn't be. So, yeah, so I think if collectively you can try and look after each other, you, you're in a better place.
0: What about the ego of that situation, right? So, for example, with the Collingwood midfield, you've got five genuine stars of the game there, including yourself, right? Is it is it ever hard? Is it ever hard to um, put the team first ahead of your own? Ball hunting instincts.
1: No, I, like, because is that a calculation
0: you have to make? That, because so
1: there, there might be say, um, say if the ball gets kicked to um, like on the weekend, if it gets kicked to West Coast hard forward flank, and I'm playing on Luke Shuey, and he spreads to that contest, and I'm with him, and then he, for some reason, as natural midfielders, we're thinking run front and centre, yeah. get front and centre to the drop of the ball. So I might be running over there with Shuey. You know, for some reason, he just veers and he runs. She sprints past the contest, tries to get out the back. That part of the ground, I've just got to bite the ball and I've got to go with him. Yeah. No matter how much I want to go front and center to try yeah. and get a crumb. Yeah. Risk first reward tells me that if the ball goes over the back and he runs out by himself, he kicks a goal. Yeah. And if the ball comes to the front, all I get is a front and center help out of defence. So that situation of the ground, I've just got to go, go with him. Um, that's my role then. So there's no ego with that. Um, you know, but that same thing if the ball's in our forward line and the ball goes, I'm going front and centre, and if my guy runs around the back. I feel like that's him rolling the dice. So yep. there's situational accountability as well, which I think that you've got to weigh up when you're out there. So, yep. um, you know, if it's say if it's neutral territory, middle of the ground, um, no one's attacking half, and the ball comes, my man went to run around the back. I'd back my read and I'd go to the front. Yeah, because um, I think I'm playing the odds game in my favour. Yeah, which is like I find this stuff. So I reckon it's like fascinating the tactical cool, battle between you and your opponent. And because at some uh, point
0: you're going to take a chance. Yeah,
1: but I think if I with the amount of stats out there you can put the game into your favour if you play the odds more often than not yeah. um, you know back 80 metres of the ground you basically everyone becomes a defender mm-hmm. You, if your guy tries to roll the dice well he's allowed to do that because you've got to cover him because you know you don't want to be the one who doesn't go with him when he rolls the dice and then they kick the ball out the back and they is standing there kicks a the goal so um, yeah and that like no doubt Melbourne's probably just working through that balance at the moment of, uh, as I said not only to spread back but to spread forward and help their forwards lock the ball in because they're I think they're they're number one side in the compound, the inside 50s dominating that stat. Yeah. But But the ball's coming out easily. So how they're locking in will be an area that
0: they'll look at. They're 18th for ground ball differential, 18th for contested possession differential post clearance. Yeah. And 17th for disposal differential post clearance. Yeah. So that's just,
1: yeah, that's the bubble. So they're obviously very good at the bubble inside. Yeah. And now they've just got to put the work into. And this is where, like, footy is such a tough game because they've, Clearly their stoppage is their strength. So they've made that their strength. But they've obviously just somewhere along the line they've just forgot to address this part of the game. They'll get a sharpen up and you'll see a spike straight away. Most sides, as soon as you put effort onto something, you get
0: a spike. I think Melbourne beat Sydney for the first time since 2006 at the SCG on Thursday night and they go and make uh, finals from there. Just last one on this, Scott. Young players come into the system. How much work do they need? How much work needs to go into exactly what you just said about doing the team thing rather than getting front and square, especially from a young midfield perspective. Yeah,
1: there's like a TSC Cup or whatever, what's it called now? NAB Cup, is it? NAB um, League. NAB League. So um, you know, Colts, whatever it is, every player that gets drafted is picked because of their offence abilities. You never see a guy get picked, he's a great defensive runner and he covered and um, this sort of stuff. So yeah, every player that comes in from the TSE Cup, the learning curve's enormous. It's... Team defense, team offense, um, blocking for other players—it's all about making your teammates better. So, um, the guys who pick up on that sort of stuff the quickest are the ones that find themselves playing games. Yeah. Um, Why can't you beat West Coast? Um, We got close. I Mm -hmm. feel like we. I feel like. Did you get the four points? No, we didn't get the four points. They beat you four times in a row. Lucky it wasn't for eight points because you said it was a big game. (laughs) Um, So lucky we didn't lose eight, but. No, they've. Oh yeah, at the moment they've. Um, I think we've played them now four times in something like twelve weeks or something like that, and they've got over us every time. They seem to be tight games, but um, is it the aerial ability? Oh, I think still, they're or? just a little bit, a um, little bit crisper with with their method compared to ours. So um, seem to get the game for you know sixty percent of it the way they want it to be played, and um, you know it's probably when you watch the games when you see the game played Collingwood's way, you really know it, and, and we're able to score. But then when it's their style, they're able to to score. So. Uh, yeah look, couldn't get it done again disappointing Um, they're playing again round 17 so looking forward to having a crack at them again then but got a lot of work to do Doggies this week who um, a really good clearance side around the footy ground ball all the stuff you sort of mentioned before with Melbourne um, and good around the clearances I think they're one of the best sides transitioning the ball from their back 50 into their forward 50 so We've got to be on our guard and, and ready to get after him.
0: Caleb Daniel might be the surprising man. You've got to stop talking about that defensive uh, transition. Hey, I remember going to a… Um, Caleb Daniel versus Coxie maybe this week. That'd be an interesting matchup. A couple of times he's been he, caught
1: in one-on-ones. I think just with team defense and he lobs on Ruffy or someone like that. So it would be funny to see him on Coxie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if he outmarked Coxie. No, no, I wouldn't, but it would be pretty funny.
0: That would be great. Hey, um, I went and saw an um, under-18 game a few years ago. And I think I may have left it <clears throat> and texted you and said, I think I've just seen the bloke who most resembles you. Played for the Northern Knights. His name was Marcus Bonson Pally. He played the first final against, I can't remember, but he had uh, a lot of that ball. Do you, when you watch him play, do you ever see the resemblance? Because it's uncanny. Yeah. He's, he's, his game. I've heard, I've like, yeah,
1: everyone says, uh, if football comes up, they will say, you know, did you see Bond and Pelle play? Like, geez, he plays like you, or I play like him. Um, yeah, but for me, it's hard because I can't. I don't see myself play. If you know what I mean, so like I love watching Bond. Like I think he's a he's a gun. He's what about I love when he gets the ball and he doesn't rush himself and um, he gets disposals. his hands above the pack. Yeah, he gets his hands up. Um, he's very clean with the footy as well. Um, he's got such a penetrating kick. He's good around goals. Um, yeah, so I love watching Bond play, um, and then yeah, when people say you know you play similar, um, you no, know, it's it's pretty cool because I reckon he's a gun. So, <laughs> uh, and the other thing I love about you know Bond, he's not about getting um, you know, massive numbers for the sake of it. He's very impactful when he does get the ball, so efficient, uh, yeah, efficient, which is um,
0: underrated in today's game. Didn't have him in my Norm Smith medal, medal votes in 2016, but in hindsight, I uh, probably should have. Um, have. you? Is he? Do you have? A, is he have coffee? Has he ever asked you anything or... We played in the same AFLX side
1: recently, so i got to know him a little bit through that. Um, Other than that, no, no real association with him. He played, I think he played basketball at Alpham Way where I played when I was a junior. So, um, no, other than just playing apparently similar to each other, um, other than AFLX time together, that's about it. The night before AFLX, did you guys have a few beers? Had a couple of beers. Uh, Where were we? Did Crown? Yeah, box? we just had... Dinner and a few beers and got to know each other and, um, yeah, bed pretty early and preparation was ideal for the next day. Yeah,
0: that's crap, Scotty. Did the bus <laughs> rock up at 1 a.m. and did you guys all turn the bus away and kick on and
1: make your own way home? I was home by probably 11, so I had dinner with the boys. Uh, where were we? I we're heard at the bus got
0: turned away. <laughs> no, I, well, I
1: had no idea. I was home. Responsible father, mate, so I was home. Um, we had a practice game the next day. We played Melbourne in the morning, so I was there watching that.
0: Oh, it wasn't a treat to have Luke Codge earlier on the uh, podcast. We've got a few other big-name guests lined up, uh, Scotty. If there's one, someone in particular you want on the podcast, just tweet us. Uh, what is it, Coco? At Jock and Journo. Yeah, Jock and Journo. Get involved. The George Fabulous Drinks and Dining 162 Collins Street. Also, after that, you then head down to St. Andrew's Beach Brewery down oh, on the peninsula. Love it best spot down there on the coast I love the uh, the amber fluids down there just before we wrap up
1: um, little offer out there for everyone listening if uh, me and my me and my brother RM skills so we mm-hmm. go go out there work with the you know junior AFL talent uh, work on their skill development so out there we'll, we'll give an opportunity anyone that emails in skills at rookieme.com and mentions jock and Journo, you'll get a voucher off your first session with us for skills training so Whatever you want to work on in your game, we've got clients, females, males, working on their skills and um, So yeah. what, is, what is Rookie Me? So Rookie Me skills so we work with athletes um, across Victoria, with whether it be kicking, marking, handballing, whatever it is, we we try and take their game to to a new level. So we've already seen some great development in some of our clients that we
0: work with and um, yeah, we're we're hoping to to keep growing. Get around it. Scotty, all the best. Thanks, mate. This weekend against the Western Borders. Hopefully, get back on the winners list. Coco, you're a star as always. Oh, thank you very much. We'll catch you next week on the Jock and Journal show.
2: Thank you.